This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Taxing porn for porter walls. Ozzy Osbourne's plush toy. Pre-germinated Kleenex? Yes, please. <laughs> Buy a brush with SNL star Mike Meyer. And our Celebrity Minute with Adam Greenberg, former Chicago Cup. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opi production on the Radio Misfits podcast. Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. You've been practicing that. Uh, you know, I, I do it all day and night now. So that's just a to- uh, tongue roll. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm good. I'm good. Maybe not. Hey, um, just so yeah. you know, yeah. so, let me paint a picture. Okay. Um, I walk into the studio, which is your right. room's basement. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, get out of the car. It's icy outside, right? Right. We've had terrible weather here in Chicago. Right? Yes. I yes. Get out of the car and guess what I see? Uh, I don't know. What? Your mom's shoveling the snow. Well, yeah, she's good at it. How old is she? She's uh, pushing 80. Yeah. Those Germans? Yeah. <laughs> those Germans are a sturdy, a sturdy bunch, aren't well, they? Let me ask you this. As you walked by, did you say, hey, can I help? No, because uh-huh. we, had, we, we, yeah. we, we, had a, we had to do a show. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, she's in far better shape than I am. And so, I, I so you know, my, my uh, youngest son, Sean, is actually living in this house now mm-hmm. because we're having some work done by our house. And it's probably a lot more enjoyable living here than at your house. Uh, I, I don't think he's ever coming back. Yeah, right. Um, Which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, and, and she told me that she's going to whip him into shape. Yeah. So, I, you know, and I can use that. <laughs> that would be nice. But anyway, um, I told him that under no circumstances is Oma supposed to be shoveling the snow. Right, yeah. That's why he's here. Yeah. He's supposed to, anything like that is supposed to be taken care of. So when I got here today and uh, she told me she was going to go out and shovel, I was very upset with my son. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know what? I could shovel for you, but that would not be teaching Sean a no, lesson right here. He needs to learn. Right. Exactly. So we got a big show for you today coming up a little bit later on. We'll be talking to Adam Greenberg, a former Chicago Cub who has an unbelievable story. Just a remarkable story. A career that you have never heard of before or since. And uh, so that's coming up in just a bit. It's a real life uh, field of dreams. It is. Uh, But we also have, I think, we call it Minutia. Have you heard about... You probably haven't. Wait, wait. Oh. Are, are we launching into Minutia? Yeah, go on. How do, how do we do this, Dave? How many years have we been uh, doing this? Okay, do what the happens ju- now? Do the jingle. Okay. Do the little thing. This week's Minutia with Rick and Dave. Okay. You've probably not heard about it because you're not particularly well-read. Uh, <laughs> but we have... Uh, parts of the United States government has been shut down, Rick. Yeah, I've heard about that. Have, have yeah. you heard about mm-hmm. it? Uh, and the reason being is because... Um, well, uh, we don't get into politics, but there's a dispute over the money for a border wall. A right? wall? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, had, either had, a wall or metal slats or metal grates or peaches or I whatever. I thought that had all been settled. No. And Mexico was paying for yeah, it well, and everything is well, fine. Evidently not. Okay. And we are at an impasse, right? Right. Uh, that is disturbing, but not nearly as disturbing as a recent GOP law- lawmaker's idea of how to fix the impasse. Oh, uh, okay. I got to hear this. Gail Griffin, an Arizona Republican state senator, has introduced House Bill 2444 mm-hmm. that would force every Arizonan 
who wants to access porno, porno pornographic <laughs> porno. material on an electronic device to pay 20 bucks to pay for the wall. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, right. So distributors of porn, including internet providers and retailers, would have to build an infrastructure that would enable them to charge all porn aficionados uh-huh. 20 bucks. Um, it doesn't say if this is a one-time fee, if this is like a... Buffet. A yearly? Yeah. Uh, monthly? Yeah, I don't know if this is an all-you-can-eat buffet or if it's an entree. I don't know. But Gail Griffin, an Arizona Republican, thinks, and what's going to happen is all that money that is being charged for porn will go to the fund for the border wall. You know, I, I bet you that the porn industry would be on board with this. Oh, absolutely. Because, right? uh, you know, if there's any industry, they always say that, you know, when a, when there's a new technology, you know that it is hit the mainstream when the porn industry when gets porn, in there right. and figures out how to make money on it. And I don't know if you've heard about this, but people tell me hmm. that there's a lot of free porn available out there. I don't there. know. I wouldn't feel good yeah. about that. I mean, right. I, you know, I, I'm not a taker. Yeah. No, I'm no, I, I would never... Ever well indulge I, in that, but uh, you know I, that's what I hear. I'm reading. I read about it. I did some research on porn. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> honey, it's for, it's for the it. podcast. We've got to talk <laughs> about this. It's a, you know right, right. It's not, right. It, it, what do you want me just to mail it in? Right. Um, there doesn't appear to be political porn as a genre. You know how there's movie themes. You know yeah. porn. You know adult industry themes. Right. But politics doesn't appear to be one of the themes that. The adult movies. Yeah, because they're screwing you as it is every day. But I, you know, as you know, I'm an idea guy. Yeah. Okay. So I decided to create some catchy porn titles (laughs) that have a political flair to. Okay. Uh, You know, let me, some may be better than others. Let me, are you ready? You want me to say something? Sure. Yeah. Fill me buster. Okay. Fill me buster. Okay. That's fill the buster. Okay. Okay. Uh, In Palin Palin. Okay. Um, All right. That's kind of bad. But okay. Uh, yeah, the, the Iowa caucus. <laughs> Don't tell me how it's spelled. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, porking barrel. All right. Not bad. Okay. You're not. I, yeah. I, you're not feeling this. I don't think. All right. Well, I think there might be a reason why there's not a genre. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, make America lubricate again. <laughs> so those are my. Uh, those are my porn. Uh, political porn uh, movie ideas for you. So what do you think will happen to this? Uh, this. Uh, this. I don't get what he is, state senator, when he discovers that there is a... Well, it's a she. A, oh, it's a she? Gail Griffin. She's never going to date again. Well, I'm what sure. what when she finds out that there might be, and this, again, I've, uh, I've read about this. Somebody the, told uh, me about it, that there might be a genre of porn called Latina porn. Oh, is there? Um, that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's yeah. what people tell me. Yeah, okay. Um, so if there is A lot is of people this, tell you stuff about well, porn. I'm constantly talking to people on the street. I'm walking around. And hey, I'm a very work. social yeah. animal. You Hi, know I'm me. Work. Yeah. Have you seen girls who take it? <laughs> but but will she feel right about using that, uh, uh, taking money? For, and, and for then, Latinos, for yeah. Mexico? I think Gail Griffin will feel great okay all right well i have some uh minutiae as well uh this is about ozzy osbourne you know ozzy remember ozzy i i i crazy train train, yeah um he's selling a cute toy with a grisly twist to commemorate the anniversary of an onstage antic that made him one of america's most controversial figures can you guess what it is uh well, it would probably have something to do with. Didn't he bite the head off of a? That's exactly of a, of a rat right. or no a bat? Wasn't a bat. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Osborne, now known primarily as a doddering reality TV dad, made, made this. You know that. what? I want to be a doddering TV dad. It seems like a pretty good gig. Made one of rock music's most iconic moments back in January, uh, January 20th, 1982. He bit the head off of a live bat on stage during a show in Des Moines. And what happened was the bat was thrown on stage by a fan. Osborne, thinking it was a toy. Mm-hmm. Stuck it in his mouth and bit. Uh, it was only when the bat bit back <laughs> and it started twitching that he realized that it was still alive. And he went to the hospital and he had rabies and all that stuff. Now, what this article does not say is the next gig on his list after Des Moines was the champagne. Champagne, and I was I was at, I was at so, that show too. So the the, the uh, minute and twenty second show. Yes, yes, because what happened was he. He came in, if, if I remember right, it was like a, a, through a pyramid. He yeah. walked in through a pyramid. And then... Um, it was out over the rainbow, wasn't that the song? Yeah, I don't remember what yeah. song it was, but apparently... Uh, and well, he just passed out. He right. just passed out on stage. He got the first words, over the rainbow. Yeah, that's and, right. And then he... That's right. It was, like, it was like a minute and a half yeah. at the University of Illinois. And and I remember being at that show and, and being with a bunch of friends who were like big, hardcore Aussie fans. And I was not no. really. I just. I'm I more went of a to, Black Sabbath guy. But I went to any concert, basically. Sure. Well, you got free tickets because of the radio station. Yeah. So, um. And they were like complaining, you know, this is this is the worst thing ever. I can't believe that. And I said, no. This is the best thing ever. Yeah, this is gonna. You're gonna remember this forever. This, you're gonna be telling this story 30 years from now, and here I am in uh, 19. So 1982. That is 30. Uh, no, seven. 40. No, it's 37. No, thir- 37 years ago. Well, and also what was great about it is that it gave you more time to study because you didn't have to sit for the whole concert. Well, I, I was studying while I was there. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I brought my books with me wherever I uh, went. Shh. Uh, you know, I've got a piece of Ozzy Osbourne minutia as well. Okay. Michelle's dad, my wife's dad, Dr. Alex Halley, treated Ozzy Osbourne when he was in Rockford. Is that right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't because of anything... Like this, I don't think. I think it was, I don't know, maybe he had a sinus infection. I mean, but but Alex treated Ozzy Osbourne when he was in Rockford. Way before well, maybe we should get him the oddly adorable plush toy, which stands 12 inches tall and features Ozzy Osbourne's logo on its chest and a Velcro detachable head. Yeah. Uh, how much is it? Uh, it doesn't say in the article. Yeah. It's a web exclusive. Oh, no, here it is. 40 bucks. Yeah, Alex is not going to be getting the, 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 the bat plush toy from Ozzy Osbourne. But, you know, uh, if it was 10 bucks, Alex, it, it would get yeah, it for right. you. But, uh, yeah, this is not going to happen. But, you know, FBR Squad, uh, you know who, who FBR Squad is? No. They're a Twitter follower of us. And you know what they're going to get? Oh, are they the winner they this are, week? They're the winner. They're going to get inside, or they're going to get uh, safe inside by Lee Kingsmill, who was just got recognized by the Chicago Writers Association honorable mention for Book of the Year. Yes, nice. congratulations uh, to Lee. Um, now I'm a Chicago coffee mug. These things are like replicating. Yeah, I mean, I I keep finding boxes. I don't know how many we ordered back at 19 whatever it was, but yeah. we still have a lot of Amish <laughs> Chicago coffee mugs, and also the last. Just One Bad Century, Building Character Since 1908 t-shirt. All that's going to FBR Squad. And what they did is they retweeted and they followed us. And that's pretty simple, Rick. And we're everywhere. We're on uh, Stitcher. We're on uh, Google Play. We're uh, on iTunes. 
Spotify. All you have to do is subscribe to the show, and, and you don't have to do anything else. It just shows up no, in your phone, yeah. or it shows up on your computer, wherever you want to listen to the show. It'll always be there for you, like a like an old friend. Well, maybe not. Uh-oh. Uh oh. This might be my last show. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I think I might have found a very lucrative business <laughs> that would leave me little time for these frivolous shenanigans we call this podcast. Okay. All right. Please do uh, tell. A new startup called Viav, V-A-E-V, is selling tissues pre-infected with germs. Okay. The company says that the tissues are engineered to give you a cold virus that will allow you to get sick on your own terms when you want. I am not going to be a slave to the you know, bacteria that I'm not aware of. Uh, so what it is, is they have, like I said, they pre-infected these. Well, uh, back up. Why would, why would anybody want to get sick? Well, they, the, the, the rationale is, is you're going to get this cold anyway. Now, I'm coming from my point of view, which gets every cold, as yeah. you have, uh, have, have you intimated before. It's like, yeah, you know, this month is not good for me. You know, yeah. but right now I got, or, you know, two weeks from Thursday is great. So I'll get my cold then is basically. What okay. I got news for you. I don't think this is going to be a big money maker. Well, I've yeah. sent my resume Yeah, and okay. I, and I've sent, I've set my portfolio of uh, nasal mucus for them. Uh, they need strep. I got it. You know, sinus infection. You betcha. Right. Well, here, maybe the, maybe the money maker is selling them the Kleenex. That's already pre-infected. Yeah. I'm, don't you have like an unlimited number of those? Um, I don't keep. <laughs> well, not, not yet. You haven't previously. Well, you're right. See, you are an idea guy, too. <laughs> That's the money. These suckers that are trying to sell them, you sell them for half price. What are they selling them for? Does it say? Uh, 80 bucks. So sell them for 40 bucks each. Every Kleenex. Are you kidding me? You're going to be a gazillionaire. You know, this is a side of you I've never seen. And quite frankly, I'm kind of aroused. I'm going to be your business manager. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm strangely attracted to you right now. Mr. Stern, sign, sign along this line here. Wow. Okay. I take it all back. You are going to make a gazillion. Yeah, right. And this podcast is going to be in my rear view mirror. Like, uh, that's, fine. that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We got new, we got new uh, things to do. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we have to finish this one first, though, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So it's time for this. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the Costco jar, picks out a name of a uh, celebrity. And these are all celebrities that I've had some sort of contact with over my many years in the broadcasting world mm -hmm. and I have to tell the story. This one, I've never heard this. I usually hear all your stuff because you are, yeah. Hey, you remember the time <laughs> that I met blah, blah, blah? Uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers, the uh, uh, SNL guy and yeah. uh, Dr. Was he Dr. Evil? Or what? He was. He was uh, Austin, Austin Powers and Powers Wayne's or... World. Yeah. So, all right, this story goes back to the 80s when he was on, or maybe the early 90s, when he was on SNL mm -hmm. and he was doing Wayne's World and he was huge mm -hmm. and Dieter and Sprockets and all that stuff. And I tried for two years to get him on Stephen Gary show. I called SNL, you know, five, six times a year just to lay the groundwork mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for having him on. And I knew that he had, he came to Chicago occasionally. He did. He worked at Second City for a while. Was it here or Canada's Second City? He was at Canada's Second City, but he yeah. did do stuff uh, with Chicago's Second City. So I, I was laying the groundwork. I you know was always looking for a chance to, to get right, one sure. of these guys. And I, I failed. I mean, I never, I never got him on. 
And then one day, so I had left the loop. I was with Landecker show. And one day my wife, Bridget comes home and uh, she has a, a picture that she wants to show me. And it's a picture of her with Mike Myers <laughs> In the hallway at the loop. Rick, this wasn't hard. I just I was walking down the hallway and there's Mike Myers. And 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 she's got a picture of herself with my doing like the swing yeah, uh, yeah. the face. Um and so Bridget has interviewed Mike Myers and I have never met him and never booked him and a complete failure. And I just thought of another porn movie. What's that? Swing vote. <laughs> oh very huh? good. All right. Very good. All right. So that's that story. It's time for our actual interview. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Okay. On the phone right now, we have a, a former Chicago Cub. And let me paint the picture to you of who this is that we're talking to. Imagine, if you will, he's a fifth round pick in 2002. He works his way up through the Cubs minor league system. Hard work, long bus rides, sweat on your brow, <laughs> nights of wondering, is it worth it? And then one day, you get called into the manager's office and he says, kid, <laughs> you're going to the show. It's been four hard years of work and toil and sweat. Now you have your big chance. July 9th, 2005, the manager, Dusty Baker, with his toothpick in his mouth, looks down the uh, dugout and says, Greenberg? You're batting for the pitcher. You hop up. You get your wonder bat. <laughs> you run out to the batter's box. You dig in. You feel the red clay underneath your cleats. You smell the grass. The catcher says, welcome aboard, Rook. And the umpire <laughs> says, play ball. You know that your family's out there supporting you. You hear the crowd. And then you don't hear them at all because you're in the zone. This is it. This is the beginning. The pitcher goes into the windup. You're thinking, bring it on. Then a 90-mile-an-hour fastball hits you right in the head, career over. <laughs> Is that pretty much – does that pretty much sum up what happened on that day? It sounds like the good opening to the movie. So yeah, right, exactly. Right. Say, you're, you're hired. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> I'm available for voiceover. Yeah, it was total – that was total Field of Dreams, Moonlight Graham there, wasn't it? Uh, Tug McGraw or McGraw gets his bony finger, you know. Uh, but that was pretty much it, wasn't it? I mean, uh, I, we were watching that day. And, you know, you're the young rookie coming up from the minors. I think you came up the same day as Matt Merton. Wasn't that right? Yep, yep. same day. And and uh, and then, boom, it's all over. And what was that like? Uh, I mean, you, you kind of painted the picture. So I think everyone who heard what you said could imagine what it was like. Um, it, it was everything you said. It was a dream come true. I'd worked my entire life. Um overcame a lot of obstacles i mean just in, you just think about the reality of how hard it is to get there eight million people try every year throughout the world in 750 spots i'm five eight and three quarters from guilford connecticut i mean there's everything is is going against you in a game built around failure to begin yeah, with right um so to be able to have the opportunity to get called up i mean obviously now i look back on it and it's i, I can acknowledge and accept how challenge how tough it really is um, but you know, it was just like the culmination of a life's worth of work. Yeah. And for one instant, three tenths of a second to have the first tenth of a second. And, and this is how, the, when the ball left the pitcher's hand, I said, don't bail out because I don't want to look stupid bailing out and have it curve over for strike one. Yeah. And right. 10, 
Tenth two was uh oh that's that's not breaking, and then it was get the heck out of the way, and that was uh, the ball caught me so perfect it was up under the helmet hit me square on the yeah. back of my head, um, and it was just it was everything was just I guess it was meant to be but yeah, yeah it was uh, it was unfortunate because I just I so badly wanted to be a part of that team and that organization and and being a part of the turnaround to win a World Series but you know that's it wasn't my uh, it wasn't my time well that the noise of that impact was just horrific you know I mean I was watching on my couch 1300 miles away right and I mean that sound of it was just horrific it can you even do you even remember the, the 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 impact and the sound? I mean, it's just it's making my skin crawl just just thinking of it. I mean, what what do you remember from the impact itself? Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of crazy because I never lost consciousness. And that sound is something that I would never forget. And the feeling of. Oh my God! My head just split open. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as you as you heard that noise, I mean, it was right in my ear. So it sounded like somebody took a gun and just just shot right next to my right next to my head, um, and it was so loud. And then what I immediately did is I grabbed my head, and because of how the impact felt, I thought my head split open. Yeah. So I was fearful of my life. My eyes rolled in the back of my head, and I mean, I'd never had a concussion, never had any head trauma. But, you know, you, you watch movies and you, you see people when they're when they're down and you're like the person's over standing over me going, stay with me, stay with me. And so all that I could think of was two words and it was stay alive, stay alive, stay alive. I just repeated that three times. And then um, and, and the creepy part was my hand obviously I had batting gloves on, but my hands felt wet. Um, and that was kind of. I mean, obviously, it was just a, a visual and a feeling that I kind of was creating in my in my mind. But that was I was just so scared for my life uh, in that split second. It was just it was crazy. But, you know, at one point uh, and, you know, I've watched the video since at one point, you can actually see you saying to the trainer, oh, I'm fine. Or, or yeah, I, I, like, something something to that effect. Like you know, hey, you know, don't worry about it. Everything's cool. Um, and, and you know, my question to you is, as a, as a married man, um, do you does your wife ever uh, get to the point where you know she she's bitching about you being a baby, about having a cold and stuff, and <laughs> and you flop out? Hey, listen, honey. Yeah, right, right. Do you remember right, the time right. I got hit in the head right, with right, a baseball? Right, right. This cold is three times worse than that, honey. So give me some break. No. no. She she's good about that stuff. I mean, well, there's other stuff, but no, that, that, that's that's uh, she's good there. But no, the, the you brought up a good point because I do. I've, I've been really really fortunate to take my story and and, and kind of help motivate and inspire a lot of people. And the one thing that I always tell uh, when I do these speeches, I say, what what you notice me speaking to the training staff. They came over and they asked a few questions. And the first question was they had me follow their finger, and then they asked me how many fingers they were holding up. And what you saw that last question was, where were you two days ago? Because they just want to make sure I was all oh, there. Oh, and, wow. and I describe it and, and I tell people, if you really, really want something, it's not just a thought. It's not just actions. It's not just trying. It's truly feeling, believing and kind of living that for a long time. <laughs> so when he asked me that question, my immediate not, no hesitation response was, I was in the minor leagues and I'm not going back. Right. Oh, exactly. good for you, buddy. Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> That's fantastic. That was, uh, that was it. 
you know, obviously the event had a devastating impact on your career, but it also appears that the pitcher Valerio de los Santos, I hope I said that right, it kind of, it, it, negated, it, it affected him negatively as well. I watched a couple interviews. He was never the same after that. Yeah. Do you keep yeah. in, do you keep in touch with him? Because he seems like a great guy. You both seem like great guys. Um, do you keep in touch? You know, does because um, maybe talk to him at all? I mean, is it uh, something? So the so how it, how it went down. The, the next day um, was the the last game before the All Star break. So when the game ended. Uh, well, he called. Let me back it up. He called that night while I was in the training room and just said he's sorry or made sure I was OK. Um, I mean, broken English. He, he wasn't mm-hmm. like completely fluent. So it was it was fine. I was just it was no big deal. I'll be fine. I'm good. Um, and then the next day was really, really tough at the stadium. Uh, I remember walking outside and just the light was awful. I was nauseous. I was trying to stay in the dugout. And this was I mean, it was embarrassing. I was going into the clubhouse and Greg Maddox was there and Kerry Wood was there and all these guys were in the clubhouse during the game and I'm on the couch barely able to keep my eyes open yeah. and, and felt so embarrassed. It was it was really frustrating. Yeah. Um, and then after the game ended, I was walking out of the clubhouse or out of the stadium and he happened to be driving by with his wife, stopped the car, just once again reiterated, I'm sorry, is everything okay? How are you feeling? And for all intensive purposes, I was just like, yeah, I'm good. So that was kind of that was the extent until uh, they did an outside the lines piece. And I saw him say, I, I thought uh, this guy's dead. I mean, and, and hearing him say that, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah, um, it was it was it was a lot. But then then we did just kind of has, as fate would have it. Um, I think it was 2010, 2011. You'd have to kind of look back and double check but he was in the independent league in long island and i was playing in bridgeport connecticut and the first game first night of the season we happened to face each other in the eighth inning oh my god uh, oh my uh, god (laughs) what was going through your mind at that time so (laughs) it was uh it it was it was interesting because i was ready to just get it over with right i just i wanted to face him and i wanted to get it over with and sure enough he throws me acknowledged him he acknowledged me and then the first pitch he threw me was like a 90 mile an hour cutter on the inside part towards me and cut over for strike one. I backed down. I was like, dude, you're good. I'm yeah, good. Let's, right. let's freaking go. <laughs> um, That's awesome. So I, I, I ended up getting a base hit and uh, it was a long at bat, fought off a bunch of pitches, but I dug in like, like I'd never have my entire life. He was not going to get me out. I love it. That's you know, I, so you, you mentioned playing in the independent league. Uh, so after this all happened, you, you played in the minors for a, a long time, trying to get yep. back up uh, to the big leagues, and it, it didn't work out. But then the Marlins in 2012 gave you one at bat at the end of the year. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that, how that happened and what, what went on with that. Yeah, so I'll just back it up quickly because the, the, the part of the story that's really important is it wasn't just they just gave me an at-bat. I mean, I was – after my injury, I did suffer from positional vertigo, vision issues, stuff that, that you couldn't see. Um, 2007, I, re- I, I got uh, – I was doing vision training with the Visual Edge Performance Trainer and basically took my eyesight where I couldn't even take a triangle with 3D glasses and put it into a rectangle. I was 13 steps away when I took my glasses off. So I was trying to hit and my eyes weren't 
working together. Gotcha. And I did that for an entire year. So when I, when I came, when I was able to finally get healthy, then I was basically like everyone else, not in your own farm system. No one's invested in you. So if you're doing well, great. If you struggle, you're gone. Right. right. You just become yeah. a commodity. It's a cutthroat so, business. <laughs> It is. And, and I'm and I'm OK with with that. And I every time I got close with each team or organization, either an injury or a manager resigning or something would happen, not making excuses. It just was part of the game. Right. So um, I ended up having a shoulder surgery, diving for a ball in the independent league after Dusty Baker told me with the Reds at the end of spring training and a couple guys with them. You're going to be in the big leagues the next day, get released because of the way the roster shook out. Um, oh so life was challenging um, yeah. to say the least and then in 2012 the um th there was a, a gentleman by the name of matt liston who's a huge cubs fan baseball fanatic um did uh, a couple 30 for 30s um and uh called me and just said hey i want to help get you back to the big leagues <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you sure, <laughs> sure. i mean it, and at this point in my career, the only reason why I was even entertaining a conversation with the guys because he told me he was buddies with the guy who did the outside lines piece who I became close with. So I'm like, all right, there's credibility. I'll, I'll, I'll entertain the conversation. Um, but at the, end of the, at the end of us speaking, what he ultimately had was passion in his voice. He said, what happened to you is wrong, and I want to do whatever I can to help get you back to the big leagues. And I, I kind of was looking going – well, my agent sure is not going to have the same passion that you do. Yeah. So if you can get me to spring training, if you can get a team interested, what the hell? By all means, yeah. knock yourself out. Yeah, sure. Her. So so that's what he did. And I told him, I said, I'll be ready. You just you get me an opportunity. Um, and I never, ever in my entire life wanted a handout, and I still don't for anything. I want to work for it and earn it and deserve it. Um, and, and, and so even with what I was going through, that was it was still so important to me. So – it, I, I actually took the first half of the season off. So it's the, the story is just crazy. I took half the season off, then got a call from Brad Osmus to play on Team Israel. Went down, tried out, made the team, felt amazing, tra worked out um, with my hitting coach for a few days just to kind of refine everything. And I felt back to being a, a major leaguer. And this was a, for the world games or whatever they, they call it. Yeah. But at the time for, for us in 2012 for team Israel, they hadn't, they hadn't made the, the games yet. So it was a qualifying tournament. Okay. So, but what ended up happening was Liston behind the scenes had connected with the Marlins um, and, and was kind of just brought aware of more what was really going on with my, my personal life and the story. And, the classic was at the Marlin spring training site. So they just so happened to have some scouts go and taken a look. And, and, and it's funny cause you, I, I speak it and I was taught it all the time. It's what are you doing when nobody's looking and, and how are you acting, behaving, training, playing, whatever. And they basically were all eyes on me and I had no, you had no idea. Yeah. So I didn't know who was there, who was watching, and what they were doing is basically seeing if I was basically able to perform at that level. So it wouldn't be a, all right, we're just going to give this guy a mm -hmm. shot. Right, um, exactly. So when when we lost the championship game, in, I don't I don't think it was extra innings, but it was like a five-hour game. It was crazy. And it was a Sunday night. It was, it was like 
my heart got sucked out of my the life of me because I was like, if I could just go to spring training time, playing in the World Baseball Classic, and play well, I'll get an opportunity. That was like my whole plan. And so when we lost, I was completely heartbroken. Um, Matt Liston was there. They were filming, videoing, kind of like doing a, a, a mini documentary. And and he did. He wanted to do an exit interview, and I was like, "Dude, I'm not in a good mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, just give me yeah. my time. Give me a day. The last, <laughs> yeah, like it's the last time I'm going to be taking off my cleats. Potentially, just give me my space. Mm-hmm. So, so I finally come out of the clubhouse, and um, he puts on the mic, and I reiterate, I said, "Dude, not in a good mood. So just you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to fake anything. So, so he starts asking one question, and then his phone rings. And mind you, it's like 1030 at night on a Sunday. So his phone rings and it was I saw the name because it was the iPhone. I saw David Sampson across. My heart starts kind of beating. I'm like, no way. Like, you know, that weird. Yeah. So he, he says, yeah, hold on. Adam's right here. So he puts the phone on speaker and David starts kind of getting into how you doing? I'm like, not good. (laughs) And, and then he's, uh, he goes, listen, we were there seven years ago when you got hit. We obviously felt bad, but we didn't follow your career. We thought for all intents and purposes, you were good, blah, blah, blah. He said, your story came to us recently. And I just want you to know, um, we, we, we sent our scouts. We've watched everything that you did. You've conducted yourself well, and you are a big leaguer. You were a big leaguer, and we want to give you that opportunity. Oh and as soon as he said that, I was like, this son of a bitch did it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, right. I mean, so you're in a better mood all of a sudden, right? <laughs> oh, I, it, was, it was terrible because of my, all my teammates, it was like, Hey Greenberg, easy over there. (laughs) So I had I had to kind of suppress my emotions around my teammates, and then to make matters worse, I was told I'm not allowed to say anything to really anybody outside my immediate family if they needed to get a flight because they were wanting to announce it on the Today Show like three days later. Oh my God! So it was a. the whirlwind of emotions and um but yeah it was just it was magical because as as i kind of talk about it it was so much bigger than me getting an at bat it was just like what it represented to so many people and that's why i think so many took to the story because they could kind of see themselves in their life and and the struggles and challenges and just what happens when you don't give up so so why haven't they made a movie of this story yet i mean this is a this is an unbelievable story um, I mean, listen, maybe one day they, maybe one day they will, but, uh, um, you know, we've got people we're going to, we're <laughs> yeah, going we're we're to, yeah, yeah, yeah. That this, sounds like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Go. Yeah. By all means. You know, uh, <laughs> and I imagine some of the stuff that we've talked about is in your book. You published a book or you had a book published in 2017, the, um, get up the art yep. of perseverance. And yep. you know, what lessons can you teach? Well, specifically my daughter, Julia, who is quick, who has quit every sport she's ever done since she was six, <laughs> you know, but no, seriously, what can, you know, what are some of the things, I mean, you are, you are remarkably inspired. It's inspiring. You know, you've gone through so much, but you know, tell us a little bit about the book and you know, what is the art of perseverance? You know, what, what have you learned? I know some of the things you've talked well, about. Well, I, I, I've learned that, you have to find your own passion, whatever it is, and, and and no one can push that on you. You have to be sparked. You have to be inspired. And as soon as you are, then it's it's up to you to determine how far you want to take it. Um, and and it's, it's really about setting small attainable goals 
and just not giving up, understanding that failure is eminent. It's going to happen and basically reveling in that failure. And that's a hard thing because we're taught failing is bad. We're taught if you don't memorize and study and and, and pass your test, you've failed and you're a failure. Um, and, And the facts are the most wealthiest, most successful business owners, the six most successful athletes, the most successful people in anything, they have failed over and over and over, and they've learned from it, they've improved, and it's that, that whole art of deep practice, right? When you fail and you you want to overcome it, you don't want anyone to do it for you. You you do it yourself, but that that's from within. So I always talk about knowing as if no one can push something on you no one can say yeah you you have to play this sport or you have to play this instrument or you have to do this job when you see that that that's going on you got to recognize it and, and find your own passion and once you do that's when it's you, you recognize right from the beginning it's going to be hard there's going to be challenges and as long as you don't give up um that's that's the biggest thing that that i've i've learned and i've seen it in not just sports and not just business but in health and wellness and all the things that relate to a life a life that makes people happy um it's if you want something bad enough just don't give up and um and 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 that's really i mean in essence that's what what the art of perseverance is all about that's great so you recently uh dipped your toe into politics um you ran for a state senate seat in connecticut so what was worse uh facing a 90 mile an hour fastball or politics (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah. getting beamed yeah getting beamed or dealing with the the, they both sound pretty bad (laughs) well i mean let's let's be honest politics is uh is far worse because you can train for uh you can train for a 90 mile an hour fastball but you can't train for somebody to make up lies and say whatever they want and just it's just it's just it's a free-for-all and and it was the reason i ran was the, the things that I stand for is just doing what's right, like having somebody else's best interest and getting your own ego out of the equation. And so much of the problem now, obviously, if you say one thing, I have to say the other. If, you, yeah. if I may agree with you, I'm just going to oppose you. I mean, it, the whole leadership, uh, how we're how, and I, I did it for my kids, really. Like I'm just I was so fed up with how people are looking up or lack they're looking up to leadership um, and what that actually means to be a leader. And then, you know, just when you're in, in charge of making decisions, like it's, it's what happened to doing what's right. And that's as a ball player, I was just head down, do what I have to do. If you're going to tax me, I'll just work harder. If you're going to, whatever the laws are, the rule, that was it. And then as I got more mature and outside and in the real world and, it's it was like wow people actually don't have my and my kids and my the people that i feel good about it's best interest so. yeah. no they <laughs> don't what wait a minute what <laughs> yeah. news on the march here i didn't you know. uh yeah well um in 2014 you were inducted into the national jewish hall of fame last week we had dwight stones who is also an inductee and i went to hebrew school with bobby burland who's also in the hall of fame so you and i we're basically brothers um, it sounds like it sounds about right. Uh, you must have been the best player on your synagogue's softball team, were you? Unless Ryan Braun was on your team, <laughs> you were by far the best, right? Uh, well, I never actually. My my dad played um, when I, I was too young. They wouldn't allow me to play on the softball team, and um, 
And then when I got old enough, then they wanted me to play. And I said, yeah, you didn't want me then. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get <laughs> yeah, Forget it. <laughs> get Sheldon Gilbert over there. You know, Morty Rabinowitz could play. I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> Dave has an encyclopedic knowledge of every Jewish ball player that ever played the game. Well, you mentioned Brad Osmus already and Hank Greenberg. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, Adam, we really want to uh, thank you very much for coming on with us. This has been a fun conversation. And, uh, you know, we, we really respect and admire you and and all that you've done and, and keep up the good work. Good luck. And I, we're, yeah, you are, you are a far better person than I am, you know, because <laughs> I would have been a weepy little baby after that, that, that being cut and, it out. Right. That hurts. Ouch. Right. And I would have, and I would have been pissed and I would have been bitter, but you took all of that and made, and made something out of yourself. Good for you, you know? And uh, yeah, Adam, thanks. So we really appreciate your time, buddy. All right, Rick, David, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Right. Pretty impressive guy. Yeah. I mean, talk about a guy that, I mean, seriously, could have just folded up the tent, you know, could have just, you know, we would have been weepy little crying little babies. And, you know, it's and we kind of used to make fun of of Adam, uh, just the, the concept of getting to that point, but not uh, not making it. But, you know, not not really. I mean, not we didn't make fun of him, but you know what I mean. It was like a, a, almost a, a total Cubs story. Right, you know? right, right. Back in the days when the Cubs were known as... The lovable losers. Exactly. Right? And, and every, yeah, everything that bad could happen would happen to somebody, you know, in a and, Cubs and, jersey. And clearly... What a stand-up guy and what a great, um, really a very inspirational guy. And um, for you kids out there, yeah, you know, yeah, no get, get up. And his book, uh, 2017, uh, or it was released in 2017, Get Up is the name of the book, The yeah. Perseverance. And um, really very impressed. And, you know, even as a Sox fan, I can give this cub, ex-cub a, yeah. you know, a thumbs up, buddy. I also wanted to say uh, before we finish the broadcast today that uh, we lost a good pal of ours this week, uh, Pat Colander, who's one of uh, one of the authors that was on Eckhart's Press, and, yeah. and uh, she was more than an author to me. She was like a mentor. She was she, a remarkable woman. She took me under her wing. She she really uh, without her, I'm not a writer, and yeah. without her, you know, we would have never become publishers. Yeah. Um, and so you know, we dedicate this podcast to her. And uh, and we already miss you, Pat. Yeah. If you'd like to know more about Rick and Dave, you can check us out at EckhartExpress.com, ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com. Um, the show has been produced by Tony Lasano of Opie Productions. Yeah, was Tony, or, uh, Tony being the producer, shouldn't he be shoveling the snow for your mom? You know, he has met my mom. He came here to fix the equipment, and my mom offered him a shot. He doesn't. He doesn't drink, <laughs> so it was kind of an awkward well, moment. Recon, but, yeah. some, some what, shots. What, what's wrong with you? Why won't you have a shot? Uh, so that was kind of an awkward moment. So maybe Tony isn't the right one for this. Okay, um, but we're, we're also distributed by Ed Silla, uh, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, and and if Dave does not figure out a way to monetize his yeah, his, his pre germed Kleenex. Uh, we will be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Man. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? 
Be sure to tune in to Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. Our podcast highlights the best soccer league in the world. The English Premier League. We recap the previous week's games. And preview the upcoming games. I do it from an American point of view. And I do it as an authentic Brit. Accent and all. That's authentic. Right, Governor? Not exactly how I say it. <laughs> we all also talk about the local soccer scene because Adam is the Illinois Youth Director of Coaching. If you love soccer. Football. Football. Tune in to Free Kicks. New episodes drop weekly on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. RadioMisfits.com.